Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, February 13th. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know some of you out there were probably looking at the Super Bowl, but we are happy that you decided to tune in to Beauty Talk tonight. Um, if you have a comment or a question, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. I'm going to turn it over to Miss Denise. She's got a lot to say tonight. Here we go. I've got a lot to say tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got a little bit to say. I got a little bit to say. <laughs> uh, first, I want to say that uh, normally here lately we've been doing um, Twitter Spaces after the show, but tonight we will not be doing Twitter spaces. We will not have a conversation tonight on Twitter spaces. Uh, We do realize that um, the Super Bowl is taking place, and I uh, want to get back to it after the show. So tonight we will not be doing Twitter spaces. do want to um, make the announcement about the Oscar nominations for 2022 makeup and hairstyling. the very first, which is which is the main nomination that I'm excited about, um, coming to America. Uh, the makeup artists that were nominated for that was um, Mike Marino. Uh, he's a special effects artist, so they were nominated for uh, the makeup and hair styling Oscar. But along with Mike Marino is Stacy Morris and Carla Farmer. Stacy Morris and Carla Farmer. They're both two African American hairstyling um, hair hairstylists for. Um, Local 706, which is the um, the hairstyling union, hairstyling hair and makeup artist union in um, Los Angeles. So we are excited for them uh, for that nomination. Um, if they win, they would be, you know, the second um, to be the next two um, black women to win this um, hairstyling Oscar. So that would be very exciting. So we're really excited for that. But also in that category, besides coming to America, uh, Cruella, which is uh, Nadia Stacy, Naomi Doan, and Julia Vernon uh, for hair and makeup in that category. Um, Dune, Donald Mowat, Love Larson, and Eve Von Barr. Okay, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Linda Dowes, Stephanie Ingram, and Justin Raleigh. House of Gucci, which I hear is really, really good. 
Goran Lundstrom, Anna Karen Locke, and Frederick Asperis. And that is it for um, for the hair and makeup hair um, makeup and hairstyling Oscar nominations for 2022. Again, we are super excited about Stacey Morris and Carla Farmer for coming to America. Exactly, and you know, Stacey is known for being a barber. Um, yeah, but of course, you know, is. in that in that union, you have to be a um, licensed cosmetologist to also barber there. But she's known definitely for barbering, so that's that's a wonderful honor. Yes, it is. So I'm excited for them, um, and you know, I'm just. You know, we're just looking for the day when more um, artists of color uh, will be recognized. And it's, you know, really a normal thing, you know. But I'm right. just glad for, for the recognition that we all do have right now, though. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we're getting ready to get um, bring our guest on tonight. We are speaking with Julia Pettis. Julia is a beauty pro and educator and visionary. And, you know, she's, Julia has done a lot. Um, she has experienced all across the beauty industry. I'm not even, I want to kind of like give a little bio, but I'll let her do that herself. So we'll bring Julia on the line right now. Hey, Julia. Hello. How's everybody doing this evening? Good. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started in beauty. Yes, uh, and before I do that, I want to say thank you for having me on as a guest. I appreciate it. Absolutely, we're glad to have you. I'm so glad. To, I'm glad to be here and glad to share with you guys, so thank you. Um, You're welcome. So my journey is a little probably unorthodox because beauty for me has been a second career. So I have been in the beauty industry now um, almost 15 years. I'm just about to come up on 15 years, but I haven't been a full-time professional that entire time. Um, So probably about half of that I would say that it's been I've been in the full time capacity. So before beauty I was in human resources management and um I fell into beauty when I was living in South Carolina uh, because I was managing talent and a lot of the talent that I worked with their number one complaint was that they couldn't find anybody to do their hair or makeup and they were a wide variety of people of color. And to me, I just didn't understand that. So I was like, we're going to figure it out. Don't worry. So that's really how I got into beauty. I had never initially had a desire to be in the industry. My hands used to shake really, really bad, like really, really bad. So um, I never imagined that I would be in this space. But as I began to learn more about it, I sought out mentors and I went to school and started out freelance, so I've done everything from fashion shows to editorials to commercial and um, film and television on a smaller scale. Um, And Mm -hmm. then when I relocated 
from South Carolina to Arizona is when I decided to become licensed. And I'm actually currently dually licensed. So I'm licensed as an esthetician and I'm also licensed as a hairstylist. So I have had a lot of experiences, both positive and negative in my journey, but I feel like it's helped craft who I am and actually being, like I said, with this being a second career, I feel like that's even helped me um, because it gave me that business savvy that I needed at the very beginning to make sure that I was going about understanding and doing things the right way. So I've touched in a lot of different areas and I'm thankful for that, truly. Now you said um, you lived in South Carolina. Is that where you're from? I'm actually originally from uh, Michigan, but when I started in the beauty industry, I was living in South Carolina. Um, And then I relocated from South Carolina to Arizona in 2012. So I have been in Arizona since that time. Since 2012. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, You, um, have you noticed just, in terms of the beauty industry, from being in South Carolina and then moving to Arizona and now in 2012 and now today, what have been some of the changes that you've, that you've recognized in beauty? Whether well, the it was from Go ahead, different I'm states or whether, whether it's just, you know, from one state to the next or whether it's just from the, the time period, from that time period to now, what are some of the changes that you've recognized? I recognize that regional looks absolutely exist. And I had always heard that when I was going Mm -hmm. through, like, my mentorship phase, but to actually see it, I was like, wow, okay, that that makes sense now. So, like, when you hear about, like, period looks for different decades, the same holds true for regions. Um, So that was one of the first things that, was very eye-opening for me. Um, but even within that, I felt like when I was in South Carolina, my decision to leave there was truly a leap of faith. Um, I was leaving corporate America to pursue beauty and entrepreneurship full-time. And I was very, very set on, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen by any means necessary. So I started reaching out to a lot of different individuals before I even moved out here because I was trying to really give myself an opportunity to let people know who I was, but they didn't care. I really had to come out here and kind of reprove myself all over again. It didn't matter how much I had done in South Carolina prior, you know, and what I had on my resume. That meant absolutely nothing. So, I really had to just start all over again. And it was frustrating. It was extremely frustrating. And even with starting all over again, you know, like I said, I initially got in the industry because of what I was being told about talent not having anyone to do their looks as people of color. And coming out here to Arizona, it's a lot more of a melting pot um, in comparison to South Carolina. So that was the first thing that I noticed that wasn't an Achilles heel for me because I've always lived in a lot of different areas where, where there were a lot of different people. 
Um, but I also quickly realized with within that, my portfolio, in my mind, I wanted it to be diverse. And that, for me, was number one. I didn't care what anybody said, what anybody thought. I wanted to have a diverse portfolio. And I got a lot of backlash from that by other beauty professionals in this particular region. And I didn't see that coming. So that was something that I noticed as well. Um, fast forward to 2022, we're still kind of hearing about a lot of the same things as far as the disparities are concerned, but we have disparities that are occurring even within our own communities. So um, I, just, I feel like it's a constant ladder. It's a constant ladder that you have to climb and you have to be willing you know, to continue to do what it takes to hone your craft. So that that's where right. my kind of take on it. Let me ask you, why was it so important for you to have, you know, this diverse portfolio? What did that mean for you? I wanted absolutely anybody to be able to look at my body of work and say that they felt comfortable sitting in my chair. That was my main goal. And the reasoning behind that was because I've been on the other side where as a mm -hmm. younger well, you know, they wanted to cover up my freckles or they didn't understand why my hair was so curly and frizzy and they always wanted to straighten it. So I understood what that felt like. So that was my number one. I was like, I want whoever sits in my chair, old, young, red, purple, green, to be mm -hmm. comfortable and know that I'm going to take care of them. And so in Arizona, that was not, that was not a thing, huh? It was a thing by some individuals. Okay. But I will never forget, I had a conversation with, which I had, actually filmed. I, I got together mm. a group of women, and it was all black women. We were all at varying levels within our career. Some were hair, some were makeup, some were licensed, some were not. And I will never forget that one of the most senior ladies within the group said to me, you don't work with black people. And I was like, what? And it threw me off because we were filming. And I'm uh -huh. like, what are you talking about? And she was like, you have a diverse portfolio. And I'm like, so? I said, that means that I can work with anybody. That doesn't mean that I can't work with my own folks. I was like, that means I can work with anybody. And I said, and at the end of the day, money is green. So whoever right. sits in my chair be able to be comfortable with whatever service I provide them. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, dang, I was, it just caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> I am not top of mind when it comes to, like, the other beauty professionals that are black professionals in this area. I am not top of mm -hmm. mind at all. Mm -hmm. I'm not in that. Yeah, it's it's very it's very it's very interesting. So wait a minute, but when you said the have, other beauty 
When you, I'm sorry, but when you say the other beauty professionals, you mean other beauty professionals in general or other black beauty professionals? Other black beauty professionals in this market. Okay, you're not top of, of okay, gotcha. Nope, I'm not. I will because have someone that is not African-American refer me faster than someone who is. Hmm. Hmm. To a, a client who's African-American? To anyone. Or just, or just and you, anyone, and, gotcha. And, and, you, and do you, oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And if they're African-American, I'm not, I'm not top ten. I'm not. And do you think? And do you think that's because that your your portfolio is so diverse? Like you said, they think that you can't do African American. I do think it it's because my portfolio is so diverse. But I also think um, it has a lot to do with lot to do with conversation. Like I'm very professional. I'm not going to be going back and forth with people. There's just certain things that I've just decided I'm just not going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard to put my finger on it because, like I said, the woman that said it, she's, she's been in the industry for 40 years. So it really, it really threw me off. I never would have thought that somebody that had been in the industry for that long would have thought that it would be a bad thing that someone that has been in the industry for maybe a 15% of the time that they've been in, because their portfolio is diverse, then that makes them, you know, different, so to speak. But, you know, so, I, so, I guess we have to, but I guess we have to sit and think about it. So she's been in the business for 40 years, which means she's a, she's a totally different generation. Um, and yeah, the yeah, thinking, mentality there is different. It, and the mentality yeah. is not you know, I mean, I have names for that, but, you know, the mentality is totally different. And so she comes, sounds like she comes from the mindset of, you know, you're showing this diverse portfolio, you can't do black people. Like, you don't specialize in black people, you know, um, which I think is sad. Honestly, I feel like she herself should be wondering what she needs to do to get a diverse portfolio so that she can, if, if, if that's what she desires, that she can continue to work in the industry longer than, you know, 40 more years if that's what she wants. Um, right. I feel like every makeup artist, I don't care what color you are, you should show a diverse portfolio. That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I really feel like this situation has been going on that, you know, the things that we've been hearing about lately, especially in starting in 2020, you start to hear it a lot, but it's, it's been said for a very long time, black actors, oh, somebody can't do my makeup or they can't do my hair. That's a big thing right now is the hair. Um, but, you know, or a person can't match their foundation. That's stuff that you really shouldn't hear coming from a makeup artist. It's color. And we're all supposed to be able to, to, um, to be able to do that, to match the foundations, to be able to do makeup. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel like we all should know how to do that. You know, yeah. like when I when I was in when I was in school, um, the my my class was 
I guess predominantly black, and that was the first time that they had ever. No, I wouldn't say predominantly black. I would I would say it was pretty even. Um, okay. But that was the first time that they had they had ever had that many black people in a class. They they typically have a class and maybe one black person. So let's just say you know like out of I don't know let's just say twenty to make it even twenty students. We probably had ten black people. Whereas mm-hmm. normally out of 20, they would only have one. So when it came to okay. them distributing the makeup to put in our kits, you know, <laughs> they were like kind of like scrambling to get, you know, the colors because they didn't stock those colors. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, but what I'm saying is, is that in my class, I learned on black skin and white skin. When I started doing makeup jobs, most of my jobs were on white skin. But if somebody's black needed their makeup done and other there was other people, you know, in the area who were looking, you know, like, oh, do you know a makeup artist that could do like this black person, they would call me. They don't they not not gonna not call me all because I, you know, do mixed, you know, clientele. Right. But I just think it's just a mindset. I think it's her mindset. She's she's from another generation that probably thought a lot of things that we probably wouldn't necessarily think. Um, and I'm, I think I'm, that's I've kind seen, of what it is. I've seen it on the opposite end as well. I've also had, yeah. you know, Caucasian makeup artists that have hit me up and been like, I have a client. She's African-American. I don't feel comfortable. Can you do it? So I I just I didn't expect it. That was like one of my biggest things coming to Arizona. I I didn't expect it. Like I knew what I was getting when I was in South Carolina, but to come here and to have had so many experiences with so many different types of people has really taught me a lot about myself, about the industry, um about what I allow what I won't allow. It's it's just been very, very eye opening without a doubt. Wow. And how long have you been there? Since two thousand and twelve. Summer of two thousand and twelve. That's really uh, interesting. It is. It's <laughs> and I, I and I always you know, I laugh at it because initially it bothered me and it doesn't mm-hmm. bother me anymore. Now mm-hmm. I just say, you know, when someone has something to say, whatever, you know, the comment may be, I'll just say, you know what, you need to educate yourself. Whereas before I wouldn't say that because I felt like I was still, you know, learning the area and learning the industry right. and I hadn't put in enough time to be able to say those types of things. But like I said, I started thinking about, you know, what I've learned about in business. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to say something. You need to speak up for yourself. Right. You know. So I've I've really encouraged people to do that. And there's a way to do it. You know, of course, with tact and professionalism. But um, right. yeah, I just don't let stuff slide as much as I used to. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good because you shouldn't. You shouldn't at all. So let me let me ask you this. So because we've been living with COVID 
for the past couple of years. How has COVID changed how you prepare for your jobs? And then has COVID changed uh, your work at all? So as far as preparation, the only, I guess, adjustments that I've really made have been, you know, making sure that I take a COVID test prior to knowing that I have to be on set. And then Mm -hmm. um, I'm more, not that I'm not organized, I'm super organized. I'm probably a little OCD when it comes to organization. But now I will individually bag everything in a Ziploc Mm -hmm. for based Mm -hmm. on the number of talent that I know that I have. Um, Whereas I would always just make sure that I had enough of everything, I individually bag it now so that when I'm done working on that person, I can put their items in their bag and zip it up and know that it's only for them. Um, So my hasn't really changed outside of those two things. I'm always cleaning brushes. I'm always having disposables. A lot of those things, um, honestly, have also been another thing that I've learned here regionally. Um, I've been booked on occasions because of my level of cleanliness. So um, I'm thankful for that. And then in turn, with COVID being here now, like, I feel like it's changed a lot of things as well because, you know, the work hasn't been as consistent. Yes, it's beginning to pick up, but it's been a roller coaster, you know. Sometimes it's good. You have a really busy month, and then the next month it's, you know, you don't hear anything. So um, I've been trying to just ride the wave and be more flexible in my willingness to travel. And honestly, I hate to say it, but I've also had to be more flexible as far as my rate which I really don't like. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I've had to be way, way more flexible, and I'm like, you know what? No, I can't do that anymore. So I was more flexible with my rate in 2020 and 2021, and as the year ended and we came into 2022, I said, you know what? No, because the cost of living right. is still going All of these supplies are still going up. I need to give myself an increase. So I made sure that right. I did that come this year. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned um, making sure you take a COVID test before you, um, you know, get on set. So are, are these tests, are you doing this on your own, or, or um, are the productions um, demanding that you all take a test? Because you work on various types of projects, and we're going to get into that in a second. But is this something that you're doing on your own, or are the productions asking you all to, to get tested or providing a place for you all to get tested? It's 50-50. Okay. It's 50-50. Yeah, for me, it's more peace of mind. When it when they're not asking for it, I'm going to do it mm-hmm. anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Because I never want to put somebody in a position to potentially be exposed. Um, right. Because I have been in a lot of scenarios where people were not wearing masks and I was the only one that was wearing a mask or, you know, so Mm -hmm. um, it's been 50, 50 and I'm okay with that. Even if they're like, Oh no, you know, you don't have to get one. I'm going to get one anyway. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. Cause you have to keep yourself safe. So talk to us a little bit about um, the types of jobs that you do, because I know you work on a little bit of everything, film, TV, commercials, 
um, you know, editorials. So tell us a little bit about the, you know, the types of jobs that you do. Um, I'm blessed to say that no one day is the same. So I get a lot of commercial work in this mm-hmm. area, which really, really thankful for. So whether it's for um, a company that's doing an advertorial project or marketing campaign, whether it's a photo, sh- a still photo shoot or, you know, a, a actual commercial, I do a lot of commercial work in this area. And then probably second to that is um, editorial work. Um, and then when I do pick up gigs for um, short films or television, normally those are in L.A. unless they're coming to film in Arizona specifically. So although I am based in Arizona, I do travel to L.A. I do travel to um, Las Vegas. I try to make sure that I'm flexible in that sense as well. So um, it does, it varies. It really varies. And then I've also been doing, you know, and I feel like this has been more since COVID, but I've been doing more content work as far as like using specific types of brands um, so that I can have that to fill in the gaps when the other work isn't coming in. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So speaking of brands, I did want to, excuse me, I did want to ask about um, the products um, that you're using now, because we did talk about how the industry has changed uh, since you started, but how, um, how have products changed since you started? Do you see a big difference in what you're, um, what you're using? Are you adjusting your products for, um, you know, certain mediums, whether you're in commercial, film and TV, editorial? Absolutely, 100%. I'm, I'm adjusting every time. So depending on what gig I have for that day, I will curate my kit based on that. So if it is commercial or it's film and television, I just concentrate on my HD products. Um, If it's, you know, like a a bridal party or something, then I'll use something that's more easily accessible to the everyday woman because a lot of times they're going to end up asking me, what is it that you're using? And then they'll want to, you know, kind of go purchase it themselves. Um, Right. For editorial stuff, it's a mix. You know, it kind of just depends on, um, what the look is that we're we're going for, um, but I do. I feel like that's important to make sure that you're really making sure that you have the tools that you need in your kit to create what needs to be created. Because I know at one point I was bringing everything in, in under the kitchen sink, and I'm like, why am I? <laughs> you know, like, why am I so sore? Why am I tired? Because I was bringing everything, and I had this like big huge case that I had bought from Home Depot and I was literally throwing that thing in the back of the trunk and I thought about that one time like what are you doing this case probably is 50 pounds you are doing too much so I, doing that. So I had to learn the hard way so I absolutely make sure that I go through my kit the night before as I'm looking at the call sheet just for you know uh, one more eye on the on the actual 
uh, project that we're working on, and I will go through and make sure that I have everything that I need for that particular project. And then downsizing, you know, editing myself even more to make sure that I'm not bringing too much product for sure. Now, gotcha. when you go on jobs, because you are a licensed cosmetologist and you are a pro makeup artist, are you doing hair and makeup or is it one or the other? It depends on what they book me for. I gotcha. And I know in advance. Um, sometimes it'll be a combo where I have to do both hair and makeup. Um, and then mm-hmm. there are times where I'm just doing makeup. Um, but if they ask, like, for example, I have a project that was just released probably over the last week and a half, two weeks. I was the key for both hair and makeup. So I had my team for both hair and makeup, and I was doing both hair and makeup, keying both roles, which is a lot if you really think about it um, because Mm -hmm. normally they would hire a key for makeup and a key for hair. But COVID, you know, they're trying to cut corners any way they can. They don't want to budget it, you know, six people um, six different roles versus, you know, four. They want to cut corners wherever they can. And unfortunately, it always seems to be hair and makeup that gets the hit. Um, yeah. So it depends. I I just make sure that I know in advance so that there are no surprises. <laughs> there are no surprises. I know one time when I went on set, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. It was only um, supposed to be background talent. So just like touch-ups, right? And I right. get there and the main um the main talent personal didn't bring what she needed. And I was like, How are you a personal and you don't have what you that need? That always like, happens. That that always happens. <laughs> so I'm looking baffled, like, because I didn't I didn't understand that. I'm like that doesn't make any sense. Or what but so she's standing there and she's looking around and she started looking at my stuff and I'm thinking, Don't even fix your mouth. Cause I'm, you ain't getting nothing <laughs> over this way. Like if I'm not getting if that pay, no, I'm not offering you anything. And he, he was like, you could tell the main talent was like, so you really didn't bring what I needed. So after I heard them like going back and forth for 30 minutes, I just spoke up and I just asked him, I said, would you like me to do your hair? And he was like, Absolutely. And I could kind of see her face was screwed up, but I was like, look, this ain't, that ain't my fault that you didn't get what you needed. So <laughs> I, I, I just learned, you know what, take a few things just in case, but I really try to make sure that, you know, I'm sticking to whatever given role I've been assigned for. Right, right. Which do you prefer most, hair or makeup? Makeup, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, over the I just last 15 didn't care years, because I felt okay. like I was always getting it. So, yeah, that makeup is definitely, because I don't like doing my own hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> over the last 15 years, um, you know, throughout your career, what are some key things that you've learned that it would be that would be important for you to share now with someone who may be just starting out or someone who, who's, who's in the business but hasn't been in the business as long as you have? To not be afraid to be a, a sponge um, and to be humble. Like, I feel like that, that goes hand in hand. Like, for me, I've always 
wanted to be in a space of constant learning. I never want to get to a point in my career where I feel like I can't be taught something in some way, you know, whether it's something small, big, whatever the case may be, you know, because somebody might have a better, quicker way to do whatever it is that I'm doing, and it might just come up in casual conversation. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going through a whole class, but, you know, just really being um, open to that. And um, I feel like a lot of times people get so caught up in what they see on social media that they're like, well, did you do this and did you do that? And it's like, oh, my gosh. I don't, I'm not learning from social media. Like, you need to do more than just rely on social media to be your teacher. Like, if you right. really want to be passionate about this career and, and take the time to, to move forward in the areas that you see um, are ordained for your life, you really should, you know, be willing to be a sponge. And with that comes, you know, humility, without a doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about, I say it's your relationship with um, Pro Beauty. You've been a winner and finalist in a couple competitions. Tell us a little bit about, a little bit about that and explain what, what they are. Um, let's see. So I am a member of the Professional Beauty Association. Um, which is a nonprofit organization for um, beauty pros, whether it's hair, um, skin, barbering, or nails. And I learned about that organization in 2015. And I really felt like that was at a time where I was truly in my, I want everything that I'm supposed to get out of this. Um, So I made some really great relationships with different individuals within the Professional Beauty Association. And I've just worked on fostering those relationships um, and learning about the industry and learning about advocacy and things of that nature. And in doing that, um, I learned about a few of their programs. One was Beacon, which is their uh, student program. And um, I won in what year was that 2015 actually I won Beacon in 2015 and it was basically individuals that were uh, new graduates or about to graduate from whatever their program was at the time so at that time my program was aesthetics so there was the room was full of aesthetics and um, excuse me aesthetics and uh, cosmetologists and it was like two and a half days of just nonstop learning at a lot of different levels of business and just everything we needed to know to kind of set us up. So um, I did that, and then 2017, I entered NAHA, which is the North American Hairstyling Awards, for the first time. And in my first time entry, I was named a finalist in the makeup artistry category. So it really kind of blew my mind. I was like, dang, I didn't know. You know, I had no idea that they would think that my work was this great. So um, the Professional Beauty Association has a lot of different things for people at varying levels, whether you're a student 
or a business of one or a salon or a corporation. Um, they have a lot of different things out there available, but if you're somebody that's really into um, competitions, Naha is the thing that you want to enter. Um, and right. they have several different categories for hairstyling. Um, they only have one makeup category. Um, so it's like you in the category or you're not, you know. So for me, it's, <laughs> it's just it's an honor to be named. And um, this year I was actually named a finalist again. So I will be at the award show in April, and I'm hoping that I take the win um, for the well, collection that time. I submitted. Yeah, so that, that, you, is, <laughs> that is sure. Um, Julia, can, so you, that, can I, you explain that process for, to us? Oh, my gosh. That process, whew, um, it took me months. It took me months. Um, because I did, I learned from the first time through every other time. So from 2017 to present, I've entered every year. Uh-huh. And the only years that I made as a finalist was my first year and this current year. Um, but it's allowed me to critique my work and my process and along the way. Um, and like I said, it took months. Like, I sketched out my looks. I practiced my looks. I was very intentional about the products that I was going to be using. Um, this, you know, for this year, I did the hair on all of my, um, my models. Like, I traveled to California. I was very intentional about the photographer that I selected. Like, he has won, he's won and has been nominated multiple times. So I thought about all of those different things, and I really took the time to invest in what I wanted the end result to look like. And I'm going to be honest, the collection that is in the finals this year has been seen in so many different avenues that it really kind of just blows my mind because I originally created the collection before COVID. Mm-hmm. So to think how long it has taken to get to this spot, it just, it's amazing how timing, God's timing works for everything. It was in a print uh, publication. It was in Sheen Magazine, um, four pages. They gave me four pages in the magazine, and that's when it debuted in 2020. And then in 2021, it won the International Beauty Award for Best Culturally Diverse. So for it to be seen in so many different spaces in 2020 and Bang Style and Sheen and then to win in 2021 and then now the exact same collection is now a finalist for 2022, I am getting a 1,000% return on my time investment, my monetary investment, uh, because I was very intentional about how and what I wanted that collection to say. So. Um, it was a process. It definitely, definitely yeah. was a process. I was picky about my models. I was picky about their skin because that's one thing about entering these competitions, especially from the makeup side, you are not allowed to edit the skin. Mm. You can edit anything else with the photo, but you can't edit the skin. I wonder about I'm gonna that. Do. I wonder yeah. about that. You cannot touch the makeup at all. It has to be untouched 
So I had to make sure that I was giving, you know, giving my models facials and talking to them about what they were eating and all of those different, because all of that plays into it. It all plays into it. Um, Let me say this, so, because I'm, I'm online and I'm looking at, so is it just the three photos that you had to submit? Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. The skin is beautiful. Like, are you sure skin hasn't been retouched? <laughs> I am 100% that the skin has not be, been retouched because I oh can look God. at the raw image, like, out, straight out of the camera, and then they were, he was able to, the photographer is able to edit the background and the hair. Yes, yes, gotcha. the makeup, But they can't touch anything else. And honestly, I'm gonna, I mean, just being transparent, like I said, I feel like a lot of times when you look at these collections, these people be touching the skin. Like, yeah. I really be looking at them like, nah, y'all, come on, man. Y'all, y'all did something <laughs> to this. So, I, but I'm a stickler for the rules. So I'm like, you know what? No. When they pick me, they're going to pick me because I followed the rules. Oh, you're so, going to win. Right. Yay. So it's gorgeous. It's, it's so gorgeous. basically what you're saying what you're saying is that you know you can get a great photographer it's like all these details like you're going in you're getting a great photographer a, an award winning photographer you're you're getting models with great skin and then then telling them look you know you have to do this with you know with your skin and you have to eat this way just so they could keep the skin great and then you can go in and do great with the hair, but they're mm-hmm. only judging. I mean, I know it all plays a part, but they're just judging the makeup. Correct. It all plays a part, gotcha. but they are judging the makeup. Um, so there's gotcha. been years past where I've been able to judge other categories outside of makeup. And mm-hmm. um, when they used to have, like, the nail category, that was one thing that was very particular about that category is you could – they couldn't touch like the cuticles or make the, the, the nails more rounded. Like we had, and we had to look, when you submit, you have to submit the raw photo straight out the camera and then the edit. Because a lot of times the edit, you know, they might add a filter to the background or, you know, it, it depends on the image, you know, if it, whether it's an editorial type of image or whatever the case may be, but they say, exactly what the rules are for each, you know, given category. Um, so you have to make sure that you're looking at that as a whole. You want to make sure that the, co- the collection is cohesive between the three images that are a part of um, the story. You know, do you see it telling a story within itself? So all of those things are things that they consider as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I can't wait to look and see this, um, <laughs> see these photos. Um, that would be great. Um, I know you're going to win this one. You got it. You got I it. I am believe that. Yes, I will. I will receive the win for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I think I think what's so amazing about it all is you did both the hair and the makeup and. Um, 
to me, it, it says a lot because you put you put a lot of thought into the whole concept. Um, yeah, I think you got this. Yes, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So let me ask you. So, if you win, what does that mean? And and are there is there something else to the competition? Like once you win. You know what? That's a really good question. There isn't anything else that you win other than the accolade. Um, Okay. However, for me, I feel like it's just another notch in my belt Mm -hmm. to help me further my career. Because I want Uh to be able to work on set for a major cosmetic brand. Like, I would love to be able, you know what I mean? I would love to be able to do that. And if I can say, look at this. This is what I produced, and the the skin has not been touched. So just imagine what I would be able to do if you allowed me to work on your collection for da-da-da-da-da. So I just feel like it's another tool for me to be able to add to my arsenal. It, there's nothing that comes out of it at all. Like 2017, when I had my first finalist nomination, what I got out of that was stepping into an educator capacity, which okay. I was already familiar with educating because I had been an educator in the training development phases of everything that I had to do being in corporate America. So that was no big deal to me getting in front of a group of people and talking. But mm-hmm. to get in front of a group of people and then talk about something that was different than what I had been used to, it was like, wow, y'all, y'all want me to talk to all these people? You want me to elevate these people in beauty? Really? So I felt like that's what helped me get to the educator component of um, where I am within my career now. And I'm thankful for that. So that, that's mm-hmm. really... I, what I'm looking for out of this particular collection. I want a brand deal with a company and not just one company. I don't want to be locked into just one. I want to be able to be like, you know what? <laughs> so that's, that's my goal. That's my goal. Right. Nice. What's, um, when you're talking about education, what do you think is missing in education these days? Um, gosh, there's, a, there's, there's still some gaps. Um, but I feel like one of the biggest gaps is individuals that are willing to train up the next wave of people. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, I've noticed, and this is just what I've noticed being in these Pro beauty spaces and at these trade shows is like it's a click, and if you're not a part of the click, if you're not that one shiny black unicorn, you can't like you you can't be in the click. So yeah. I've noticed that they have like one Asian, one Hispanic, one Native. Mm-hmm. Like I've noticed, I have without a doubt noticed that, and it's like when they get that one. That one is not trying to bring 10 others right. with them. Right, um, right. So I feel like that's 
One thing that's missing currently is true educators that are willing to help the next wave of individuals um, progress in their career. And it's not to take anybody else's spot because nobody can do what you do. You know, right. we can all do it, but I bring my own special flair to it, which is why I get hired or somebody else gets hired for a given project. Um, right. But I feel like that one that's one of the things that's currently missing. And then there's also people being afraid to speak up and say, I don't know how to do X, Y, Z in beauty, and I would like to learn, but I don't want you to put me on the cross because I'm telling you I don't know how to do it. Right. There's fear that's attached right. to it. You know? And I feel like we need to make safe spaces for people to be able to speak up and say, I really don't know how to do it, but I want to learn. Um, so right. those two things are, are definitely areas that I feel like we could do better in. So true. That's so true. Absolutely. So you're you're a mother, correct? Oh yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> how old is your oldest child? My oldest will be 22 in April. My middle son, his birthday is actually today, so he just turned 20. Oh, nice. oh, and then my daughter is. Yes, we've we've been out all day having a ball. Um, and then I have a daughter. She will be 14 next month. So I have a February, March, April. So, yes, I have three. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how how challenging was it to um, raise your kids and, and work in this industry? Um, well, was it challenging? It's challenging. You know, it has. It's been challenging, but it's been, for me, I've always been very open with the things that I do, Um, especially being a single parent. I've been very transparent with my kids about what I do. Um, So they've always been in the know or apart in some way, even when I lived in South Carolina. Like, there would be times where um, I couldn't find a babysitter and I would take them with me and I would tell my oldest, okay, you're in charge. And then they're in the hotel room. I know that sounds really crazy, but you know, that's what I was doing. Like I was trying to figure, I was trying to figure it out. So, you know, Mm -hmm. they were latchkey in a lot of the sense, but, they were latchkey, but they knew what I was doing. It wasn't like right. I was gone for extended periods of time. And, you know, because there were, I was, when I was in South Carolina, I was doing both. I was doing makeup and I was working a full-time job in corporate. So um, they were always at the babysitter, you know, so right. it was difficult. <laughs> so when I quit that and relocated, that was a road trip for us. I literally drove from South Carolina to Arizona. And I made it fun for us, you know. Um, I feel like for me, more of my challenge has been with family really taking seriously what I do. Mm -hmm. It's a hobby versus an actual career. 
Right. Um, and I think for me, that's been the most challenging thing. Like I'll have family members that will be like, okay, have you done Oprah yet? Like, really? Really? You just come doing Oprah's makeup? Like, come on. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little sarcastic, you know, underhanded, you know, compliments, not really a compliment that the little comment about like, like this one in particular just boils my blood when, when somebody says, so how's your little business going? Right. It's just something about that word little. <laughs> it just does something to me. I'm like, for real, it's like, it brings a whole alter ego out of me. It's like, wait a minute, hold on now, you know? So I feel like that's been more of my challenge than anything. Yeah. Now I wanted to uh, ask you about this because I was, I was looking at your um, IG page and there was a, um, there was a post, I think it was somewhere around January 19th where you're, you're at work and you're standing like at a monitor and you're looking at the monitor and your post says when working on set, whether for commercial editorial film or television, the details absolutely matter. Our job as hairstylists and or makeup artists are to make the talent look great according to the storyboard or preferences, as well as paying close attention to detail. It makes the editor's job much easier later on. I thought that was so important, and I'm so glad that you said it that way, because, in these, you know, most of us think, oh, well, you know, they're going to edit it later anyway. So you, you don't really pay much attention to certain things. Like, you know, you, you do the job and you're like, oh, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to clean it up in post as if the production has money to constantly clean up our mistakes in post. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, was, I was, like, really happy to see that, to, to know that somebody else had that type of thought, you know what I mean, it was it was just really good to to see, and I thought it was is so important for makeup and hair people today, especially if you're working on set, because a lot of times I know it's like rush, 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 get it done, get it done, get it done, but you do have to pay attention to the little details, because a lot of things they're not going to fix in post. Because guess what? Sometimes when it comes to a director's eye or a producer's eye. Sometimes those little makeup mistakes or ha- or hair mistakes that we see, they may not catch, and they right. may not care. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When it comes down to to something else in the editing process, they're going to spend the money on things they know they absolutely have to spend the money on. Some little hair or makeup thing, they may think, well, I mean, it doesn't look great, but you know, we're not going to spend that much. T- it's not, you know, the 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 actual filming of it or the, you know, what we see on screen is not, they're not going to spend that much time on it anyway. So we'll let it go. But guess what? When somebody goes to the movies to see something that you did or somebody sees something that you did on television, what sticks out like a sore thumb? That mistake you made by not smoothing down, you know, those flyaways or, or, you know, or not covering uh, the lace on somebody's wig or something, you know, or, you know, like, you know, eyeliner that wasn't clean, you know, something. People notice those things because they look for it. Right. And so it makes you look crazy as the as the hairstylist or the makeup artist. So I just thought that was so important to point out that we have to pay close attention to the details. 
We absolutely, I mean, that's part of what our job is. And like you said, you know, most people are like, oh, we'll just fix it in post. But if I can make the editor's job easier, then that means that end result will get out faster. Yep. And then everybody will get a check faster, you know. Yeah. I, I remember then, two particular instances that things kind of just needed that attention to detail. Like there was a an instance where this young lady had a tattoo on her wrist and her hand was the only thing in the shot. It's like, okay, mm. so do y'all want to fix that in post or do you want me to go ahead and take care of it like, right now? And, like, you could right. literally hear everybody, everybody had an opinion. Let, let makeup right. fix it. No, we don't have time. No, let her fix it because we don't have time to do it in post. Like, they were literally having, a, I'm like, the time that y'all are taking arguing about this, I could yep. have already had fixed. Yep. So I just went and grabbed my stuff and I fixed it. And they were like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, how did you do that so fast? I'm like, y'all was sitting here talking about it. I just, I just did it. I just did it. So, you know, mm-hmm. and then that also reflects on us as, artist it's like wow she really took the extra step to make sure that that was done um and they'll appreciate and they'll remember that in the long run when it comes time for another job right absolutely absolutely yep details definitely wow for sure wow yeah it definitely does do you have any favorite products that you like to use graftobian is my favorite cream like I use mm-hmm. cream correctors I use I use so much Grasshopian it is ridiculous like that's mostly what I use when I'm on set um, mm-hmm. so Grasshopian um, I love to embryo least as far as like skin prep items mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. rosebud salve I love a good rosebud salve because you can put that mm-hmm. on the elbow <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, like those are like my two go to Scandinavia setting sprays. I really love their um setting oh, yeah, sprays. Me too. Um me too. RCMA no color powder. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like that one has saved a mini a ebony tone and without making them look ashy, you know, and people are always blown away. So those are I those are my staples. I normally carry those with me no matter what. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one so when you win this award from Naha, you'll have to come back on um I hear you. our our beauty news segment and, and give us a okay. beauty breakdown on, on your looks. Okay. But I can definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to an opportunity of assisting one of you guys. Well, come oh, on. Bring on. Yes. Like, <laughs> seriously. Like, for real. Like, I have been watching you guys for so long. Like, when people talk about individuals in the industry that they need to know and that are – Black history in the making, you guys need to be included in that. I truly believe that. Um, and you're, you're so humble, but I, I wish more people would know about y'all. So when I have an opportunity to share your names, I have no 
uh, reservation doing so whatsoever. So it would be a pleasure to be able to be a part of a team that you guys are on, without a doubt. Oh, wow. Thank you. Well, listen, you are always welcome to join. You know, I mean, as you know, we do mainly a lot of film and television, um, and there's so much work here in Atlanta. You know, we don't have to always um, leave Atlanta, but whenever we get an opportunity to, to come your way or, hey, if, if, if there's ever any time you want to come to Atlanta and spend some time in Atlanta, um, you're always welcome. Um, so we'll, we'll try to make that happen one way or another. That sounds good to me. Yes. <laughs> we will try to make it happen. Absolutely. It's always good to, you know, talk to people who um, really have a love for what they're doing. And I'm not saying that, you know, some people don't love what they're doing, but you can tell the people that really have a love for what they're doing. And, um, you know, just just by the way you speak, you know, of your career, um, and I know that you, you operate in excellence. I can tell that as well. Um, and it's something that, you know, we all should strive for. Um, and I'm really looking for black artists in particular to strive for excellence in all that they do. You know, we, we have these questions. We, you know, talking about earlier how some, like, talent will say, oh, you know, I need a makeup artist that can do my hair. I need a makeup artist that can uh, do my makeup. And so what they're looking for is black hair and black makeup. But on the uh-huh. flip side of that, on the flip side of that, you have some black artists who can't do what black talent is looking for. Right. And then, you know what I'm saying? And so, and that's the whole reason that goes back to what I was saying. Like, I feel like we should be able to do everything. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you get black artists who can't do white hair or white makeup. Right. And so that's, that's why I'm saying I'm looking for black talent to strive for excellence in all that they do because, you know, we should be able to do it all. We should, we should, yeah. we should be making sure that we can do all textures. All of our jobs are not going to only be with black talent. I mean, if you, if you take a look at television now, now uh-huh. there's a lot more black people. You see a lot of black people on TV. So, uh-huh. so now, the opportun- now the opportunities are there for black talent to step up to work with black artists. But that right. hasn't always been that. That hasn't always been that way. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's beneficial if we make sure we can do every, you know, every everybody. Because for me, like you were saying, er- like you were saying earlier, you know. Money is still green. A job is a job. So it doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me if I'm working with African-American talent or Asian talent or Caucasian talent. It doesn't matter. A job is a job. And if I'm, mm-hmm. you know, if, and if I'm on board with that job, then I have to be prepared to be able to do the work of that job. So I feel like, like you were saying, you know, um, people being open to being a sponge and learning everything that you can learn, you know, asking questions, um, taking classes, attending these trade shows. And, you know, it's, it would be good. Like my sister and I always talked about IMATS over the years. 
and how great that experience was for us attending IMAX every year. But then we, we've also attended beauty, other beauty shows. It's good for mm-hmm. makeup artists to attend a beauty show that, that's, you know, predominantly skin, nails, and hair, you know, just to experience that and to see how, you know, those shows operate. Um, right. I know in some of the in some in some of those shows they're implementing a little makeup here and there, you know, and especially like you said within the competitions and things like that. But I just think it's 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 good for us to be you know well rounded in our knowledge and understanding of of different skin tones and hair textures and and things like that. I just think we all should you know strive for excellence. Absolutely, absolutely, excellence is definitely the goal. Yep. Absolutely. So that is that. We have one last question for you, though. Can't get away. We did not forget this time. (laughs) And that is, what is your definition of beauty? Um. Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, my definition of beauty. I guess I would have to say, um, my definition of beauty, as it relates to artistry is enhancing that which is already there, not trying to make it look like something else, not trying to cover it up, but to embrace exactly whomever you are and be comfortable in the skin that you're in. When we think about, you know, the term beauty as a whole, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people because one person who think you know, one person might look at someone and say that individual is beautiful. Another person might say that, that, that they don't agree, you know. So I know it's very subjective in that sense, but for me I try to make an individual feel like whoever they are, whatever they look like, because we're all flawed. We all have mm-hmm. inner beauty. And it's about, you know, making sure that that inner beauty and that outer beauty match up. So I guess that, that would right. be my particular definition. Nice. Love it. Love it. That was That's a hard question. question. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> So I just wanted to let everybody know where they could go to um, see your submission for the Naha Awards. You can go to probeauty.org. That's probeauty.org forward slash events to check out uh, Julia's uh, beautiful work. Also, Julia, where can, um, where can people find you on uh, the Internet and social media? Um, yeah. You can find me at JaleaPettis.com. It's my first and last name.com. And once you're at my website, you'll see all of my, excuse me, my hyperlinks for social media. So um, thankfully I have a pretty unique name, so it's not a lot of Jaleas out there, so it shouldn't be that hard to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And let me just say, you can follow um, Beauty Talk on Facebook, we're Beauty Talk Online Radio. On Twitter, we're Beauty underscore Talk. And on Instagram, we're Beauty 
underscore talk underscore media. And you can follow Janice and I both um, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn by our names, uh, Denise Tunnell, D-E-N-I-S-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L, and Janice Tunnell, J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much, much It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yes, thank, thank, you. thank you so much. We will chat with you soon. Sounds good. Have a great evening. You okay, too. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. It was a great show. I know we took you kind of over a little bit, but it's all good. It's a great conversation with Julia. Thanks again to Julia Pettis for joining us tonight. Again, go check out her work at probeauty.org slash events and go down to um, Naha, and she's under the Makeup Artist of the Year category, as well as go to her website, juliapettis.com, to find out more about her and follow her on Instagram. All right, that's all we have for you guys tonight. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you. To those who will listen to the show on the playback, thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful evening, everybody, and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night. Good night.